This podcast is presented by All Copy Products, proud partner of the Arizona Cardinals. Learn more at allcopyproducts.com. To the 15 to the 10, Murray's going to score, touchdown! Welcome to the Cardinals Red Sea Report. Slammed to the ground by Buda Baker. Like a torpedo, he came flying into the backfield. Fitz goes up and makes the game-winning catch! Larry Legend does it again! The Cardinals Red Sea Report is brought to you by Arizona Cardinals Podcasts. Visit azcardinals.com slash podcasts. Here we go. This is it. Caught by Kirk at the 20 at the 10. Touchdown! Oh, baby! How's that fail? Here's Craig Grealoux, Mike Jarecki, and Bertrand Berry. Welcome to the last Tuesday of the month and perhaps the last bit of quiet around the NFL. We're three weeks away, gentlemen, from the legal tampering period of the start of the new league year. And today, well, today teams can, if they choose to, may elect to tag a player who is scheduled to become an unrestricted free agent. Bergang, you remember a year ago at this time, the Cardinals transition tagged Kenyon Drake. This year, who knows? A window to tag a player with either the franchise or transition tag remains open until March 9th, so probably more of a likely scenario you see a later activity closer to that March 9th deadline. But to begin things here on this week's edition of the Cardinals Red Sea Report, the new league year, March 17th, the start of free agency, B-Train, and I'm looking at a list of Cardinals free agents. There are 28 unrestricted free agents. Let's play general manager here. You are in charge of the Arizona Cardinals. you got to take a pay cut from your playing days, but that's okay because, you know, you're always grinding the uh, B-train. 28 players. Give me uh, a list. In no particular order, but three or four players, offense, defense, and, yeah, we got to include special teams, players that you believe that the Cardinals need to retain in 2021. First on my list, i got Hassan Reddick. I really believe with the year that he had last year, I think he's figured it out. And I really think that he is going to blossom into a consistent, dominant player, not just in pass rushing, but just all over the field, tackle for losses, and, and being able to just be an all-around defensive force. I also uh, look at Chase Edmonds. I think Chase Edmonds is a guy that really fits what the Cardinals want to do. He fits this offense really well. I don't know if he's the free agent as a starter free agent type of money, but a guy that you definitely want in the mix. And uh, – <laughs> There, there's so many different guys that, that you, you really want to, to have that, that, that feeling about as far as, as their, their value to the team. But I think Chase Edmonds is a guy that when he comes in, he's just instant excitement, and I think he brings a certain level of, of productivity uh, to this offense that, that not a lot of different guys uh, can bring to the table. And then uh, – <sighs> I believe you have to bring – I think you have to bring in, you know, bring back one of the offensive linemen. I mean, it, it, it's imperative that, that you do that, Craig, and, and, and you have to maintain that continuity. So, you know, I think it's like a, a 3A and 3B. I, I think the, the, the free agent offensive linemen you have to bring back and make sure that you keep that front 
as solid as you possibly can and then build from there. Reddick is an interesting case, MJ. We'll get more into him in our next segment when we talk about that pass rush because the Cardinals do have to make a decision with respect to Reddick and then also Marcus Golden with the knowledge that Chandler Jones is coming back and knock on wood. He stays healthy for an entire season. But this free agent class, and not just the Arizona Cardinals, but across the league, there is a lot unknown because we do know this, that the salary cap is going to increase from what was going to be 175 to a floor of 180. It could move up a couple more million, but not much more than that. That is still $25, $30 million less than in a normal year would have been expected. So how much dollars are teams willing to dole out to one player versus maybe several different players out there? That's a good question. From the standpoint of it, w- usually the cap's gone up $10 million over the last couple of years. It would have been $210 million now. You know, it could go to 185, 187, and and I think uh, according to John Clayton, March 1st, both the NFL and the NFLPA will have an agreement. So I think that's why teams aren't releasing players uh, right now. They're just trying to figure out how much they're going to have to spend, and then you know you start looking at some of those free agents that you talked about uh, with B Train. I mean, Patrick Peterson is interesting for me from a standpoint of. If if he goes out and tests free agency, we only know it takes one team. Is he willing to come back and give the Cardinals an option to match? But all of a sudden, the uncertainty at that position. If you lose Patrick Peterson, now it looks like, you know, you look at Byron Murphy and there is talk he could slide to the outside. Uh, Robert Alford is under contract. I think the Cardinals want to bring him back at a lower rate. But just uh, the downward spiral effect if you lose Peterson. But I, I agree, you know, Hassan Reddick has earned a new contract. We'll see if it happens here. You know, the the franchise number for the, uh, Hassan Reddick would be 15-6, and the transition tag would be 13-4. And the Cardinals right now are about $19 million under the cap. Again, it's very fluent. So I don't know if you can afford to do that with Reddick. Well, we've all had our turn as far as general manager, but let's hear from the man himself. Steve Kime last week on 98.7 FM, Arizona Sports Station, talking about what the Cardinals and the rest of the league should anticipate with respect to free agency. It's going to be interesting because we, we have no clue what this market's going to be like with a reduced cap. Uh, in some ways, you'd like to think that it's going to be a buyer's market, uh, maybe even a, a number of one-year deals. But, you know, and, until we see that uh, firsthand, um, it's uh, really it's a lot of unknowns. From a player's perspective here, B-Train, how much are you back in your playing days or how much now do you think players are paying attention to this? Or is it, hey, you know what? I hired an agent. That's his job. That's why I've got him. Just tell me when, where, and where I have to put pen to paper. Oh, that's absolute nonsense. If you're a player, you're locked and loaded into every conversation about free agency because, make no mistake, we all love the game, and, and most guys would give you that cliche, yeah, we pay, we play for free in the backyard and, and the alley and all that kind of good stuff. But the reality is most guys in the NFL have families, and most guys in the NFL have bills. And so you definitely want to get the best bang for your buck as far as location, situation, and uh, where you're going to have a chance to win a championship. So uh, guys definitely are going to pay attention. And, yes, the, the, the majority of the conversations with front offices will be with the agents, and that's what they're paid to do. But to think that guys aren't paying attention to who their teammates could be and, and how their team could get better or worse with the addition or subtraction of a few key free agents, uh, you, you're always locked in to, to what's going on because that's just 
due diligence and, and being about your business. And, and we all understand that this is still a sport. You still go out there and play a kid's game. But when the business side kicks in, you have to be mindful of that and make sure that you know what's going on and, and uh, that you don't uh, have to find out uh, through different media, uh, like social media and, 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 and through watching TV or something like that. You, you want to be dialed in, but not to the point where you're just obsessed. So there, you have to find that happy medium. And for every guy in the locker room, uh, that's a little bit different. You know, today would have been the first day we would have been at the NFL Combine. And then you have every agent there. You have every general manager there. You have every head coach. And, th- and that's where seeds are planted. Now, if you're a guy like Hassan Reddick, he's coming off a career year. He's made $13 million, being the 13th overall pick. Uh, that's where he was slotted. He's 26 years old. Do you think he wants to sign a one-year deal? He's got to cash in. A guy like Calvin Beecham, based if you're 30 over, um, you know, do you sign a one-year deal? So I think age-wise is going to have a lot to do with this, but the market may not be out there. But some team can offer Reddick one-year $8 million or two or three years. I mean, based on his numbers and his age, he's probably going to be attractive if he hits free agency. Well, one of those veteran players for the Cardinals, Patrick Peterson, as we talk with B-Train as far as paying attention to what is going on off the field with respect to the free agent market and what might be available for teams and players come March 17th. Peterson, at the end of the last season, our last opportunity to speak to him before he went his separate ways as far as the offseason was concerned, understands what's ahead for a lot of players. It's going to be a difficult offseason uh, for upstairs management. It's going to come down to guys making some tough decisions. So you got a lot of key guys that's going to be free agents, but you also got teams that's not going to be able to spend the money like they have previously. So it's going to be very, very interesting, and uh, we can't wait to see what happens. So do you want to remain where you know, or do you want to try your hand and go somewhere else? Do you want to bet on yourself for one year to where maybe the salary cap will increase after next season or take a long-term deal now? These are all conversations that players have to have with the agents and then, of course, within teams as far as how to dole out this money. The flip side of this is that if you have a working relationship or a good relationship between team and player maybe there can be some give and take owner michael bidwell last week on 98.7 fm arizona sports station talking just that we've got to cram a lot more salary into that salary cap so it's going to be difficult you know i think for every team to manage all these things and and we hope our veteran players work with us on that because the salary cap for the first time ever will be going down B-Train, I never fault a player for getting as much as they can, but this offseason is going to be maybe a little bit different because you do have to weigh different situations, and maybe you do choose to bet on yourself this year with the hope that you have another good season a la Hassan Reddick and then get that long-term deal when the salary cap increases after 2021. No, no, you don't. You, you keep the same mentality. You, you do exactly what you've done, and it, it, it is what it is. The business side is never going to be great. For either side and there's going to be some give and take and uh, I know teams are going to always want to ask their veterans to give hometown discounts and veterans are going to always push back and, and want every dollar that they can possibly get and the younger guys that are maybe coming into their second contract they want to try to get every penny that they possibly can and the veterans want to be in a comfortable situation where they can win so depends on where you are in your career uh, what the priorities are and that formula is never going to change in the NFL. And uh, to say that you have a, a unique year with, with the, the 
cap being down and all those different things, that's for the front office to figure out. Those players are looking out for their best interest, and they're looking out for what's in it for them. A prime example would be uh, K.J. Wright. He, uh, he was doing some radio hits yesterday, and he said, why should I give Seattle a hometown discount? You know, I've been waiting to get paid for a while. So, again, uh, you know, do you want to be here? But at the end of the day, it's it's really dollar signs in, in the fit. So, and if the Cardinals are going to play man-to-man, is that a, is that a – a uh, good situation for Patrick Peterson, who seems like he's more of a zone guy now. I'm not saying he can't do it, but it's fit and asking price. But, you know, I guess what Michael's asking is if you want to be here, we need a little bit of help. But in, we know in the future, though, um, it's going to go up. But there's no guarantees when it comes to the NFL and players year to year. And, B-Train, that's why we enjoy having you here on the Cardinals Red Sea Report, to get that player's perspective. Because on the outside, it's like, oh, you know, where do you want to live and, and raise your family? And But when you're in the trenches and when you're battling on Sundays and, and for 16 games, 17 weeks, you got a different mindset than just the guy, you know, going to work on a 9-to-5 job. Without question. And you, you have so many different – uh, things that, that matter to you in that finite period of time. Because remember, as a football player, this is just a few years. You, you're not going to be a lifer as far as an NFL player. You're going to have you're going to be a former player longer than you're going to be a current player. So it's in your best interest to make sure that you get as much as you can out of the league. Uh, you, you don't want to necessarily uh, be that guy that's that's absolutely selfish and 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 you don't think about anybody else because you do need other teammates to win. But to say that you're concerned about their contract and they're concerned about your contract, that's taboo. We don't talk about other people's salary and all that kind of stuff. You do what's in your best interest, and you trust those other guys to do what's in their best interest. And then the front office has to figure out who they want around as far as building a team and making sure that you've got a competitive product out on the field. And the guys are, are paid to go out and do their job. They can't do everybody else. Look, free agency is always – fascinating as far as what teams decide to do but i think it's going to be even more so this offseason just because there's not as much money out there but to be train's point the players well you got to be a little selfish and we will see how that materializes here in the coming days weeks and months ahead bird gang update to the latest version of the cardinals mobile app today the app features an all-new redesigned home screen experience Visit azcardinals.com slash app for more. Well, we touched on one of those free agents, Hassan Reddick. His return and just that outside linebacker position in general. Cardinals with some key decisions to make. Maybe they've already made those and we just don't know about it. That's straight ahead here. It is the Cardinals Red Sea Report on the Arizona Cardinals Radio Network. Garoppolo out of shotgun. McKinnon in the backfield with him. Garoppolo has the ball, makes the handoff, stands in the pocket, pumps, and in trouble, backs up, still has the ball, and then he's finally wrapped up and sacked by Chandler Jones. Are you planning on cutting Chandler Jones? I'll reject that. Pretty definitive response there from channel manager Steve Kime last week with Doug and Wolf, and that was in response to a question on an article that was written on NFL.com about potential players who could be, could be 
salary cap casualties, and the rider included Chandler Jones in that conversation. And as Kai mentioned, yes, that is not going to happen. You do not let pass rushers just walk out the door, although the Cardinals do have a couple, and one in particular in Hassan Reddick, that they might let walk out the door. As we welcome you back here to the Cardinals Red Sea Report, Greg Riolu, Mike Jarecki, and Bertram Berry, and let's get into the pass rush. Overall, B-Train, the Cardinals very good getting to the quarterback. 48 sacks, even without Chandler Jones, who only played five games getting hurt at the New York Jets. And at the top of that list, Reddick with 12 and a half. And the Cardinals now with the decision here with Chandler Jones coming back. And don't forget, you got Devon Kennard on the other side. A disappointment as far as the production that he gave you in 2020. And then up steps Reddick moving from inside to outside. And Marcus Golden, who was acquired, reacquired, I guess I should say, midseason, who is also an unrestricted free agent. I just named you four outside linebackers. How many of those are all back with the Cardinals next year? I'd love to say four because you can never have too many pass rushers, in my opinion. In today's NFL, you have to be able to get after quarterbacks, and, and you can't just do it with one. You have to have multiple guys that can come in and, and – and do the job when, when the, the first wave of, of rushers gets a little winded and they need a little bit of break. Uh, the offense is not going to run, uh, run plays just because your, your pass rushers are out. So you, you need to have as many of those guys as you possibly can. And uh, when you start talking about the, the salary cap and, and, and rosters, yeah, you'd like to have all four, but I think realistically the, the way that the Cardinals are going, you're probably going to get two to three. And three would probably be on, on the heavy side, but uh, I would love to see all four of them back because I really think that those four could really come in and do a lot of damage, but that would eat up a lot of salary cap and you have uh, much greater needs at other positions. You look at uh, Chandler Jones, if, if, if Greg Rosenthal, who does a nice job, if he would have said, well, he could be a trade option, that's different. I mean, Cardinals would say 15-5, but clearly coming off an injury, which wasn't an ACL, I mean, you got to think at some point they would look at an extension considering the cap's going to go up. But right now, based on Chandler's uh, $20 million cap hit, they already have $29 million committed to that position, okay? And they have 92 on defense as a whole. So at some point, I don't think you can resign all of them. And don't forget, Dennis Gardick's restricted. He's coming off a torn ACL. He probably won't be ready until maybe uh, either week eight or week 10, I'm guessing there. So I just don't think you can retain all of them by having Chandler have that cap number. Now, in the perfect world, you extend him, lower that number. Gardick is the wild card in this discussion. And then with the 16th overall pick, maybe you have an edge rusher that you like and draft, and all of a sudden now you flooded the position. And as we talked about, you can't keep everyone. But as B-Train pointed out earlier in the show, Hassan Reddick for him is a must-retain as far as 2021 is concerned. Kaim asked about Reddick and what he saw out of him wouldn't commit one way or the other as far as re-signing him, but I'm very proud of what Reddick did this past season. There's nobody that I'm more proud of than Hassan and the way he handled his business. You know, for a guy who was much maligned early in his career, bounced back and uh, fought through adversity. And um, again, really proud of him and the way he handled his business. And the guy never stopped working and played his tail off this year. And obviously the production speaks for itself. 
The other player, MJ, that always has that motor, if you will, never takes any time off is Marcus Golden. And we know, we heard from Golden at the end of the regular season, and he would love to come back. He loves Arizona, didn't want to even leave in the first place, but went off and then returned. And you can just always hear and see the excitement in his voice, in his face, when he talks about the Arizona Cardinals. And that's one player that, you know, obviously it's not going to cost you as much as a Hassan Reddick, so maybe that becomes more of a likely returner as far as edge rushers are concerned. When you look at, you know, a guy like Marcus Golden, clearly, he you know, he wanted to test free agency and the market wasn't out there for him. And so he ended up signing, you know, with the Giants. And then last year, he, again, uh, the market wasn't out there for him. Uh, he wants to be here. Uh, the Cardinals would like to retain him. But I would agree with your assessment. I don't think he's going to cost you as much as Hassan Reddick. And, you know, injury-wise, uh, Reddick had the ankle injury. Marcus Golden had some injuries in the past, but he's been able to stay healthy over the last couple of years, and that's important moving forward. B-Train, when you look at Reddick and you look at Golden, both very good at getting to the quarterback, any other similarities or differences when you're assessing whether to keep one or the other, or in a perfect world, yeah, you would like to have both? In a perfect world, you'd like to have both. But I, I look at Hassan and and. I think he is going to have more years as far as productivity, and, and that's nothing against Marcus Golden because I'm as big of a junkyard dog fan as anybody out there. But if you had to split hairs, then you go into age. Age is going to be that defining uh, thing that, that separates one from the other, and, and, and Hassan has many more years based on his age to be productive at a higher level uh, than Marcus Golden. And, and, and to me, that that's – part of the business side that you have to really look at and, and um, any team would be very lucky to have either one of these guys because both guys are, are going to give you everything that they got. Marcus is, is a little longer in the tooth, but he does bring that leadership and he knows how to, to lead by example. He's not going to be just a rah-rah guy, but then he's empty on the field. He's going to give you everything he's got and he's going to not mix his words. So uh, you, you need veterans like a Marcus Golden, but you need those 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 young hungry guys like Hassan Reddick, who is just stepping into the prime of his career. You know, you just look at the year, and if you're another general manager, you say that the results were eye popping. 16 games, started 11. He racked up 63 tackles, 15 for loss, six forced fumbles, four pass breakups, and 12 and a half sacks. That's fill in the stat sheet if you're Hassan Reddick. And then you look at what Reddick and Golden were able to do as a tag team, if you will. Pro Football Focus earlier this week tweeted this stat out. Reddick and Golden, the only two pairs of teammates, edge rushers, to record 50 or more pressures last season. Reddick and Golden were one of those tag teams. The other one was Miles Garrett and Olivier Vernon of the Cleveland Browns. So, yes, you'd like that's why we talk about you, the, as B-Train pointed out, MJ, the more pass rushers, the better, because it, you can't just focus on one guy. You'd like to have the guy on the other side as well. And Golden responded to that, saying that the Giants should have played him more, or Cardinals should have traded him prior to that, but obviously injuries occurred. But, yeah, I mean, listen, uh, which Chandler Jones went down, it was by committee. And we got to throw Garlic in there because there were some games when this team won, especially back east, uh, you know, he was a force. And so, yeah, listen, pass rushers are not growing on trees. On the subject of Golden, when you talk about him, the consummate teammates, he was wired up during the season. And just listen to his conversation with Isaiah Simmons. 
Play clock at two. It's at one. Snap to Allen. Back to throw in trouble. Gets hit. And Allen gets rid of the pass at the last second. It's caught on the near side of the 30-yard line by Singletary. Cuts back to the left and finally brought down. We're going to get up and make the play. That's how you get up and make the play. Right there. Right there, boy. That's real right there. Isaiah Simmons almost had the sack, but he still made the tackle after the catch. It's fourth down. How about that? Isaiah Simmons coming back to make the play. Hey, hey, that's what you do right there. B-Train, that's what you're talking about as far as that veteran leadership of a Marcus Golden when you're encouraging everyone else around you, knowing that it can't be just one person but a team effort to get that W. It's just an instant ball of energy, and, and then you bring the wisdom to go with the energy, and that's a great combination. And then you have the productivity to actually do what he's talking about. Uh, to me, that's a very valuable player in the NFL, and, and there's not enough of those type of players around. And, and if you have one, you have to do everything you can to try to keep them. I understand the, base, the nature of the beef, and it's a business, and, and Marcus is going to do what's best for he and his family, and the Cardinals are going to have to make some really tough decisions. We all know that. But he's a guy that when you start talking about championship football, he understands what it takes to be a championship-type player and to be a championship-type team. So he's going to do everything in his power to make sure that his teammates understand that he's got their back and it's not just with words of affirmation, but it's also with making his fair share of plays when given the opportunity. And then selfishly, from a media standpoint and what we do on a daily basis on the Arizona Cardinals radio network, he is a joy to cover and to speak to. He always is available, and you can't say that about a lot of players. Not that it's always necessary to do it every single day, but Marcus Golden, one of those good guys off the field as well as far as dealing with the media and also dealing with the fans. Just his voice, his smile, and just his, his passion for life. I mean, it's, it's it's you know, just you root for kind of guys like that. But I do like uh, that highlight right there. I'm really uh, bullish on Isaiah Simmons for this upcoming season. Well, that is defensive talk, and we've got to talk about the offense as we have hit halftime here on the Cardinals Red Sea Report. When we come back, more words from both owner Michael Bidwell and general manager Steve Kime, this time talking about Kyler Murray and the offense moving into 2021. It is the Arizona Cardinals Red Sea Report on the Arizona Cardinals Radio Network. Snap to Murray, and he's going to keep it off the left side. He's at the 10, at the 5. He's in again. Kyler Murray into double figures with rushing touchdowns on the season. The Cardinals have the lead. Some more Murray magic at State Farm Stadium. He's got a fire in his belly. We've all seen it. A competitive spirit where he wants to win, and he wants to win now, and I love that. That's what I want, and that's what I expect, and that's what he expects. We saw a jump from year one to year two. Now we expect to see maybe even a bigger jump from year two to year three as we talk Kyler Murray and the Arizona Cardinals offense. Welcome back to the Cardinals Red Sea Report. Craig Riolu, Mike Jarecki, and Bertram Berry 
Kyler Murray there with 11 rushing touchdowns, a team high, one more than Kenyon Drake finished with. And then the words of owner Michael Bidwell last week on 98.7 FM Arizona Sports Station talking about Kyler Murray. And, yes, we always focus on the quarterback B-train. Yes, though, in the postseason we know that it was the defense that won Tampa Bay the Super Bowl. But in order to get to the postseason, in order to get to the Super Bowl, you have to agree with us, B-train, just a little bit, that you do need a solid quarterback to score your points. Oh, points do matter. I'm not saying that points don't matter. I'm just saying in order to win the game, you still have to stop somebody from getting those points. So defense is still going to be the formula and the most important factor in winning a championship. But, yeah, you do have to score points to win, and that is part of the game. That's the nature of the beast, and and the Cardinals have their franchise quarterback in Kyler Murray. They feel good about his abilities to lead this team, and it's just a matter of him continuing to take those next steps. Uh, we saw this with a young quarterback in Josh Allen, who every year he went and, and doubled his stats as far as touchdown passes, and he just got progressively better, and, and you're seeing that, that same sort of track, hopefully with Kyler Murray, and, and, and hopefully the team around him will allow him to be able to blossom and mature in that way. And so it, it's going to be a joint effort. Kyler's going to have to put in the work, which I'm sure he will, and the team around him is going to have to help put him in positions to make those plays. So uh, it's going to be a joint effort, and I think the Cardinals are going to do everything that they can to make sure that their franchise QB has all the re- necessary weapons at his disposal in order to make that happen. According to Football Focus, Murray took a big step in year two, raising his passing rate over 16 points on his deep passes. He was nine touchdowns, zero interceptions. But also they point out he must improve on his intermediate level, which is 10 to 19 yards, where he ranked 25th in passing grade in 2020, and he ranked last as a rookie. So still a work in progress, and maybe that's where you know he needs to step up in the pocket. It's not so much the middle of the field. We know he can stand on the right hash mark and make that throw to hop on the left side if he's playing the X receiver. Um, leadership, just little things, though. But, you know, you look at it, I think it's a great reference point that B-Train brought up. You know, Josh Allen's been with the same coordinator, you know, Brian Dable, for, since he was drafted. And you see that his first year he was completing like 53% of his passes. Now he's into the 67, 68. So, you know, being in the same system should go a long way. Five wins, eight wins. It needs to get to double digits for the upcoming season. Continuity and very important when you talk not only about the offense but the defense as well. So some of the things that we hope to see out of Murray going into this upcoming season. The general manager, Steve Kime, touched on what he hopes to see out of Murray coming up this season. The little things, um, the understanding of coverage concepts and, and reading defenses, it's something that he's just going to get better with time. And uh, the command of the offense, uh, again, he, he's a guy that's committed, passionate. I love his intensity. Um, we've, he and I have had talks about how to channel that intensity. Um, and I think that uh, obviously the best is yet to come here moving forward with Kyler. You will never question Kyler Murray's one passion and desire for the game. And then number three, his work ethic. He is all business all the time, maybe sometimes too much of the time, with the exception of video games as a way to wind down. We all have our vices to kind of get through and far as relax a little bit. But then you hear Kyle MJ talk about the reading of defenses, and that's just the development that you hope that every quarterback has to take from year one to year two. And I don't think there's a quarterback out there, even a Tom Brady and Aaron Rodgers, a Drew Brees. Did you ever master that? 
Kyler mentioned that the game did slow down for him, but we know when they ran that much defense, uh, he was limited. And obviously, you know, early in the season when they got off to a good start, he was being able to run the football. You know, I'm not questioning the work ethic uh, when he's working out. I'm talking about sitting in the film room and watching film. And, you know, hopefully he can sit there with somebody that can point stuff out to him. You know, Kim and, you know, obviously we'll wait and see what happens with off-season workouts. But, you know, again, the game will have to slow down at some point. But teams are going to disguise things to where he sees it pre-snap and then post-snap it's different so that's where he's got to put the work and watching the film and it's not going to be easy I mean Patrick Mahomes admitted he he really didn't start recognizing defenses until his third year so it's, it's something that he's going to have to work on um, but not so much the work ethic off the uh, you know on the field it's more in the in the classroom and, and getting a grasp of the playbook and that's going to happen when they install hopefully in the offseason, if not training camp. And know what to look for when you're watching film. B-Train, for you back when you played, as far as watching film, yeah, you do it with your position group and your position coach, but how much time did you do on your own, and how long did it take for you to learn as far as watching the film? Oh, you have to watch on your own uh, the majority of the time. Yes, you you get the time in with your your teammates and with your coaches, but – you have to go beyond that in order to truly get a grasp for what you're doing. Because keep in mind, when you're watching with your coach and your teammates, he's having to talk to sometimes seven, eight different guys. And he may not get into the, the details that you need in order to win your individual battles. He, he may uh, say something that, that, that may be broad and, and for something for the entire, the, the entire group to, to pick up on, but – in order for you to win that one-on-one, you've definitely got to put the time and the work in it. And as for me figuring that out, uh, it took me a little while. I would say probably year four or five was when that started to really kick in for me, and I wish I had done it sooner because it, it would have maybe kept my career on the right path. But also, had I, not, had I done it, I may not have ended up here in Arizona, so I can't say that it was all bad. It, it worked out in the, the proper timing. So uh, the fact that I was able to get it later than sooner – uh, I got it, and I think for a lot of the, the, the guys now, the sooner they, they can grasp that concept, the longer that they'll have the opportunity to put that uniform on and play at a high level. Murray's skill set are off the charts. We know he's a dual threat, and you know now it's taking that next step, and he admitted the little things you got to do, and that's putting the work in not so much on the field but also in the classroom and getting chemistry with your receivers. Um but again, you know, what he did last year or this previous season, it was good enough for 8-8. Eight eight. I thought the Cardinals were, you know, I think Steve put together a 10-win ten-win team. Unfortunately, it didn't happen that way. But you just wonder, yes, he can get you to 8-8, eight eight, but can he get you to 10 or 11 wins? And those are the little things that we're going to see in year number three. Well, it's what he talked about during Super Bowl week when he made those number of appearances, radio and television, talking about the little things, attention to detail, and part of that, I'm sure he was talking about himself and the, just the rest of the team as well. More on what we'd like to see out of Murray in 2021, this time the owner, Michael Bidwell. I want to see the next uh, jump. I think we all want to see the next jump. He made a big step forward uh, between his rookie year and his second year. You know, we were, really want to see that that next level, and uh, hopefully, that's going to come in the off season if we're able to get together and really see that uh, the development uh, and the connection with his receiver group and doing some of the work that they they hopefully will be doing on the field at the training facility with a more normalized 
OTA and off season later in the spring when the when the vaccinations are out more broadly. Fingers crossed, MJ, that we do see that. I am not too hopeful and expect probably more of an offseason like we saw a year ago, though I would like more of the option, if you will, and not the NFL coming down and saying not allowed at all. But if you're able to gather amongst yourselves, if you will, if it can't be at the facility, figure out some way because I think that was the one thing. I know some of the veterans don't need it, but these younger players, they need the reps, and that's when you get it done in the offseason. And for a lot of those first and second year players in 2020, uh, they were behind the eight ball. I think when you look at the offseason, everything you're hearing now, it's going to be slimmer to last year. But, you know, maybe when you get to – you know, May and June um, it, with the vaccine, maybe you could have some on-field workouts, and that would go a long way. And, and the fact that, you know, Hops has a house out here, I'm sure Kyler's, you know, goes back from forth to Texas in the offseason. So there's other opportunities to where you can get together, and nobody has to post anything on social media. But I just hope when the vaccine comes, maybe, you know, the first part of the uh, OT, I'm sorry, the first part of the offseason is going to be virtual. Obviously, they'll have their strength and conditioning. they have to send videos in. Uh, you know, take a picture of what they weigh like and stuff like that. But if we get a little bit more into the spring first summer, hopefully they could do get on the field because that's going to help this team and every single team. But you know, we just they got to look at their receivers and say, besides Hop, who else is going to step up? And that's where that work takes place. And I think we might know more as the weeks and months yes. go, and hopefully there is more as far as people – getting vaccinated and you can kind of go back to a little bit of a more normal offseason and if we don't then the onus is on the individual players to get their own work in i know andy isabella on instagram posted some workout videos within his own house so any which way you can improve cardinal players have to do it here this offseason because year three Kyler Murray and this offense and the defense can't forget about that b-train but year three has got to be another step forward not just 500 or a winning season but talking about postseason of course it will help if murray has the time to throw to his wide receivers we'll talk about the offensive line and some of the changes that might be happening there we'll get to that next here on the arizona cardinals radio network I honestly hadn't had a plan for what type of captain I was going to be because it was just something I wasn't prepared for. I was very uh, I was very surprised and shocked. The only thing that I do want, though, I want as many people that was writing about me, calling me knee-deep to remember to write about me and call me captain now. So when they address me, just address me correctly. Uh, captain DJ Humphreys, you know, just all those that had the same energy with that knee-deep, remember to call me captain now. <laughs> captain DJ. That's a nice ring to it, and he's absolutely correct. He has earned that right. The fifth highest overall grade and third best run blocking grade among tackles, according to Pro Football Focus, should have been a pro bowler, was not, but certainly looking forward to big things out of Humphreys coming up next season as well. Started all 16 games for the second straight season. That has always been what has maybe kept him back is just not being on the field, but a healthy DJ Humphreys certainly is big for this Cardinals when you talk about the offensive line. As we continue here on the Cardinals Red Sea Report, Craig Riolu, Mike Jarecki, and Bertram Berry on the subject of the offensive line, not just Humphrey, but Justin Pugh as well. That left side earning praise from the general manager, Steve Kine. 
I mean, I think Justin Pugh had his best year as a Cardinal. Uh, there's no doubt in my mind that D.J. Humphreys has turned into one of the better left tackles in the league. And I can't say enough about the, uh, the, the way he played this year. I thought he played at a Pro Bowl level. You have to like what you're seeing out of that left side B train with Humphreys and Pugh because regardless of offense or defense, you'll agree with this, it starts in the trenches. you got to have those big uglies, if you will, working either offensively or defensively, and the Cardinals certainly on the offensive line have two of the best in Humphreys and Pugh. Okay, we'll get to uh, B-Train here in a moment. But, MJ, you look at the left side. That is fine. Now you have to kind of look at the right side and figure out what you're doing because Marcus Gilbert, yes, he's under contract for next year. Calvin Beecham is a free agent. J.R. Sweezy is a free agent. What do you do on the right side of that offensive line? That's a good question. Now, just going back to Justin Pugh, he was top three in blocking at 822 he did have eight penalties. He'd only given up one sack and two quarterback hits this year. So clearly the left side is the strong side when protecting the quarterback. You know, you, you look at, you know, Marcus Gilbert. Uh, he opted out last year. He is under contract this year. Kelvin Beecham is a free agent. Uh, I mean, you know, I thought he did an, a really good job at right tackle. And then you got Josh Jones. And then what happens with Justin Murray is, is he more of a guard? Uh, he could play a def- couple of different positions. So, you know, when you look at the center position, uh, you know, I would like to see them bring in another guy to compete with Mason Cole. Um, Alex Max out there, he's got good film. He is in his mid-30s, though. Um, he's had a nice little career. But, you know, I think I think on paper you can never have enough depth. But I'm curious about Josh Jones because he got an opportunity to play last year as a swing tackle. Yeah, he was a lot or, of the times. excuse me, an extra tackle. Yeah, the uh, sixth offensive lineman but did get his feet wet a little bit. B-Train, that offensive line, you're, again, set on the left side. But what do you do as far as maybe shoring up the right side, whether it's bringing back players or maybe going younger with respects to a Justin Murray at guard and a Josh Jones who you drafted a year ago playing right tackle? Well, with Justin Murray and Josh Jones, you have to find out what you have because they are young guys, but you do have to somewhat have an eye for the future. And, and uh, looking at, at the left side, those guys, they, they've established themselves. And, and the, the key to any good defensive or offensive front is availability. And the one thing that, that you saw with, with DJ, and, and in the words of the immortal uh Lil Wayne, go DJ, that's my DJ. Uh, the one thing that he has been, he's been available. And when you're available and you're able to, to go out there and play at a high level, uh, that makes everybody rest a little bit easier. Most importantly, Kyler Murray, your, your starting quarterback. So, But then you look over to the right side, you, you have to see what, what the young guys are going to bring to the table because uh, at some point it, it, they, they, it's either going to be sink or swim. They're either going to figure it out or you're going to have to move on and try to find uh, different answers. So uh, not having those off-seasons definitely were uh, a challenge for those guys, but I do believe with Coach Cooler, he's going to get those guys where they need to be, and, and when their time is, is, is when their numbers are called, uh, they'll definitely be ready to get in there and get it done. Love when B-Train starts quoting lyrics uh, here on the Cardinals' Red Sea reports. You look at being available and staying healthy, MJ. Four different offensive line combinations used this past season. Three last year. So that is always huge as far as whether you're going to have success offensively. Is Can you keep those five guys healthy for an entire season? And the Cardinals for the past two years, knock on wood, have done that better than most teams. 
I think when you look at it, you know, Sweezy, you know, I love his toughness. I thought it was a good signing, but he was wearing down a little bit. So you go a little bit more athletic and younger with with Justin Murray. You know, Kelvin Beecham, he held up. I don't think he missed a, many snaps. But we saw towards the end of the season a little mixing and matching using rotation guys. And, you know, I trust Sean Coogler. I think he's going to put the best five out there. And, you know, he's going to have a bigger role in possibly the run game. And so we could see more. 11 and 12 personnel where they want to get the tight ends out there involved. So it's going to be interesting to see how different this offensive line looks. Um, but you want, you want to have at least eight guys, though, and you got to have some depth. And I think they have some depth, and they haven't even touched free agency or the draft yet. Rotating the interior linemen, it was big for a three-week stretch, weeks 13 through 15. I didn't really understand it, and I know Justin Pugh was asked about it, and he was on board and said all the right things. I just That's just one position, much like the quarterback, MJ, that you, you just don't rotate. You keep those five guys consistent unless there's a drop-off in production or obviously an injury. Prime example, when we had a conference call with Joe Judge when the Cardinals went up there and played the Giants, um, they were rotating, but they were also starting Anthony Thomas, Andrew Thomas, Thomas at left tackle, who was a rookie. So when you're rebuilding and, and kind of reloading, the Cardinals are coming off one of the best, better rushing teams in 2019. Now, granted, they did have 22 rushing touchdowns this year, 11 for Murray. I think uh, Drake may have 10. They may have more. But in general, though, when you're rebuilding, you can do that. I think when you're trying to win, you have to settle on your five or six guys. Cardinals certainly have some decisions to make with respect to the offensive line. But B-Train, to your point, they do have options as far as whether you do go a little bit younger because with Jones and Murray, um, you, 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 you acquired and drafted those players respectively for a reason. The future is now, and, and again, it's going to be up to them to, to make sure that they show the organization that they're ready to take over. And if they aren't, then you do have quality guys that can come in and, and replace them. But uh, they have to show that they are ready to assume that mantle and hold it down for a very long time. B-Train with the last word on this week's edition of the Cardinals Red Sea Report. Special thanks to those behind the scenes, Senior Broadcast Manager and Producer Juma Omohundro, Technical Director Cody Fincher. For Mike Jarecki, Bertram Berry, I'm Craig Real. We'll talk to you in one week's time. March right around the corner. And with that, free agency should be very busy. This is the Arizona Cardinals Radio Network. You've been listening to the Cardinals Red Sea Report. Middle of the field of the end zone. Kirk, he got it. He's in. Touchdown. Buda Baker with the sack. Stripped the ball. Murray's going to score. Touchdown. Oh, baby. The Cardinals Red Sea Report is brought to you by the Arizona Cardinals mobile app. Visit azcardinals.com slash app. Touchdown. Cardinals win. This has been an exclusive presentation of the Arizona Cardinals Football Club. Oh.